Hi, this is Kevin Smith, Silent Bob from all those terrible Jane Silent Bob type pictures from back in the day. And you're listening to PF's Tape Recorder, man. Hello there, I'm PF. This is my tape recorder. Coming up, it's our old friend Chris Bliss. I'm a numbers guy. I think I found the way to fix Medicare. What I'm calling uh, the uh, end of life early buyout. Because something like 80% of Medicare costs are spent in the last 18 months of life on 5% of Medicare patients. You just go to them and you go, look, it's going to cost us a million to keep you alive so you and your family can go through hell together. We'll give you $450,000 to walk away now. Chris, as you may remember, is a stand-up comedian, sometime juggler. Well, he started as a juggler, uh, switched to comedy, still juggles. Also is a uh, big mover and shaker in a movement that he calls the Bill of Rights Monument Project. And uh, go back and listen to the couple episodes he was on or uh, look to some of the articles I wrote about him in City Beat, about him getting that project done. Our song of the week is a tune. And uh, I'm not telling you too much about it uh, up front here, but uh, stay tuned at the end. It is a remix of a song that was uh, a hit all over Europe and other countries. Only got to like 34 here, so that's a little hint for you. But uh, the tune, it's a pretty good tune. It is an incredible remix, so stay tuned for that. Uh, incredibly busy week uh, elsewhere in my life, so uh, you're going to get a couple of classic dumb bits. The new Mountain Dew Summer flavors are here, and they're extreme, extremely extreme. Like the new Mountain Dew Nervous Conniption. Mountain Dew Nervous Conniption has to be the best flavor ever. And I was trying, you know, I was listening all the time, which just happens to be my favorite band in the world. You know, so it was all good. So whenever I listen to them, I think about the Nervous Conniption. I mean, it's just that good. Oh, and right now I'm talking about one friend, Emma, because I'm probably going to have Mountain Dew Nervous Conniption with her, because, you know, wouldn't that be so much fun? We'd be all really hyped together. You know, because being hyped okay. is like, the best part all of right. the Okay, thank you. Thanks. Shut up! Sorry! New Mountain Dew Nervous Conniption. Get some fast. Your friends are awesome at rock band, but you can't even make it through one song. Oh, man. But now you can have just as much fun as your more talented and more coordinated friends with the Rock Band Roadie Add-On Pack. Check, 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 check. Little higher, little higher. Check, 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 check. check. How's that? Check, check. Get your friends tuned up. And get their levels set before they start shredding. Is that clipping? I think that's clipping little. What do you think? Want to try it again? But make sure you do a good job, or your buds will fail. Dude! And you'll wind up at the merch table. The long sleeve tee is 40 bucks. Yeah, here you go. Rock Band Roadie Add-On Pack. Available now. Coming soon. Rock Band Groupie Pack. And Rock Band Ticket Scalper Pack. Chris Bliss is a stand-up comedian and juggler and political commentator who you may have seen somewhere on your TV. Uh, his most famous clip is from the uh, David Letterman show when David Letterman was over at CBS uh, doing a juggling act along with Fat Boy Slim. Uh, Fat Boy Slim provided the music, so do check that out on your YouTube. But here now is our conversation with Chris Bliss. Hello, unknown caller. Hello. Oh, it says unknown caller. That's weird. Well, you know what? Um, maybe it headed a one or something, or or you're uh, in my book with a one. Not always, you know. That somehow that happens sometimes, and it and uh, uh, and the phone doesn't recognize it because there's a one before the 
or isn't the one before the area code. So not such a smartphone after all is what I, I've got to say. I guess not. It should know me. I've got over 6,000 listeners a day now. So That's true. Yeah. So, <laughs> so get with it, smartphone. Um, so how you been, man? I've been good. How have you been? Good, good. Same old, same old, as they say. Um, well, you know, you're. I mean, you're out there doing your thing. That's good. Yep, yep, just plugging away. Um, I same with you, I assume. Uh, yes, uh, absolutely. Having having rich life experiences as well, though. That's cool. So, what's the so, new, what's the newest? You know, what's what's the latest has been going on with you? Well, I'm in Oklahoma right now. I'm working on the uh, Bill of Rights Monument project here. They gave us a great space at the Oklahoma Capitol. Cool. So I'm in town. Uh, you know, I'm I'm, uh, I'm I'm rustling dollars here in Oklahoma City. Okay. So. Uh, but that's that's so that's been taking a lot of time, and then uh, and then uh, Josh and I decided to solo it up this year. You know, yeah, he was in town a couple weeks because, ago. Because uh, did did you go see that show? Oh, no, she couldn't. Uh, yeah, I'm yeah, in Cincinnati. Yeah, yeah, I talked to him though. Yeah. So because uh, uh, he was working with a, with one of his best friends, and a mutual friend of ours, Joel Madison, who is uh, uh, funny in a very off way. Okay, <laughs> very good. Uh, so have you had a chance to perform much, or is the uh, is the Bill of Rights monument keeping you busy? Uh, no, plenty of performing also, and uh, 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 also just writing. Th- I mean, you know, you can't go through a day without something coming to your mind, can you? Sure, absolutely, especially with uh, with our president. It's just exhausting. <laughs> I think everybody. I think. I think you know. I think the nation has TBI right now. Yes. You know, and they're kind of just, people are kind of just in a kind of days where they're not really sure. Uh, so, um, it's not a, not a great place to be. It's just pretty fatiguing. So has there been more interest in the Bill of Rights monuments since the election or has it still pretty much been the same? And that's and... A, you know what? That's a really good question. And, um, <laughs> I would probably say uh, what uh, that what's happening is that everybody's signing up for the fight. They're not, there's not more interest in it. People yeah. are doubling down on whichever side they're on uh, for to, to, for for the fight. You know that's going on right now, and uh, it's I, I, and I and I understand that. You know, if you feel the wolf is at your door, what are you going to do? You're going to you know you're going to go uh, you're going to go with the immediate threat and. Uh, so my sense is that uh, that a lot of time and energy. It's part of why people feel so tired. They're trying to figure out. Uh, it, it include, I mean, and and the people that are pro-Trump are no different from the people that are anti-Trump in terms of they're fervently they're locked in. So, you know, so I just got to sit on the sidelines and, and see how many states are still in the United States by the time this thing is yeah. over. Yeah, and of might, course, might, might, might make my mission that much easier. Oh, geez, I only have to do thirty-one states now. That's so much easier. <laughs> Um, well, and, and as you know, uh, Howard Jones advised us when the wolves are gathering around the door, you you invite them in and ask some more. So, I, don't know if you're... I, I didn't know that, but but thank you for reminding <laughs> me. I, I now I now I remember that now. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So it, it's interesting because who? I mean, are you running into any kind of a problem where? I mean, we discussed this before. Where are people against the Bill of Rights monument? Because who who'd be against the Bill of Rights? I think everybody can agree on the Bill of Rights. No, I don't think it's a matter of that at all. It's a matter of uh, people feeling, uh, uh, you know, 
I mean, every every situation so local. Uh, um, Oklahoma's having a lot of problems with their schools. People are thinking that's the biggest priority. Oh, uh, okay. You know, I mean, you're you're in competition. It's it's not it's not specific. It's I see. You know. You know, it's not really, and it's not really any topic that you're ever going to see trending on the internet. Bill of Rights monuments, but but I think it is with all this other talk about monuments going on out there, none of it very positive. You know, uh, it's like, well, you know, how about a monument that's about ideas and, and not the people who came up with them? Yeah, and, uh, and and it's about the future and not the past. How about that? You know. So, yeah, that's an interesting approach. Uh, so to recap, how many? Where are we at as far as, like, number of states that have them, number of states that are close to putting them in? Uh, we have one at the state capitol in Arizona. We have a uh, much an appropriately sized, a small installation outside the second uh, oldest courthouse uh, in Iowa in the town of Montezuma. That's really just what we call a town square's installation because that's exactly where it is in the town square. Oh, cool. uh, we have three more approved, uh, Oklahoma, Texas, and Alabama. And we're active in the California legislature. I expect to get approval um, to go forward with, you know, site discussions and everything else. I mean, it's just very basic beginning of the process there next year. And, uh, and you know, the, the worst part of it is that the nonprofit work, it just it just ruins your sense of humor. Because you always have to be polite. You, you're not yeah. supposed to say the incorrect thing you've been thinking for years and years and years. Uh, out in Arizona, I kept wanting to say, you know, uh, we you know, are you sure you don't want this thing bilingual? Because pretty soon those people are going to be the majority, and I sure as hell want them to be able to understand my rights when they are. But I couldn't say that. <laughs> Is that when you say for you the know? stage? That's brilliant. No, you just can't, you just don't get to go there. Uh, but also, you can't get sucked up in this other conversation. People don't. I mean, you know, there's plenty of you know that the, the whatever the Trump material is, the Trump material is right. Yeah. You know. Uh, there's uh, most of the people, most of the places I work, they really these days they really. Well, that'll be some fun about being an acne. You know, I can say a few funny things about Trump, and, and people hopefully won't get uh, too bent out of shape on it. It's like a religious following. It's a very bizarre thing. It bums everybody out. Yes, you know. Yes. So, so people just don't want to deal with it. So uh, apart from that, what's your set like these days? Well, uh, it's mostly solution-oriented. You know, I'm doing a lot of work on policy because that's my strong point. Yeah. Uh, I'm a numbers guy. I think I found the way to fix Medicare, which uh, is uh, what I'm calling uh, the uh, end-of-life early buyout. <laughs> How does okay, that work? Where, because something like 80% of Medicare costs are spent in the last 18 months of life on 5% of Medicare patients. Okay, this is where this this is what is bankrupting this program. But if you know, for example, uh, that somebody's going to go through twelve months of torture, at a of increasing torture at a cost of one million dollars to the system, you just go to them and you go, "Look, it was going to cost us a million to keep you alive, so you and your family can go through hell together and have a wonderful bankrupt memory of the whole experience." Uh, we'll give you four hundred fifty thousand dollars to walk away now. Four hundred fifty grand. <laughs> And, and a one-way ticket to Oregon, and uh, and we won't give you the full million because the money we're taking off is all the pain and suffering we're actually saving you from. It's negative, negative, negatively amortized pain and suffering. What do you think? I get that. Sounds like a, sounds like a plan. It's a market-based solution. It least, is, isn't it? It is. Yeah. 
Uh, have you ever put down? Have you ever put down a dog? No, that's why I never want to get one. No. Yeah. Oh. For that or very any reason. animal? No. No. Well, the amazing thing is that it takes like sixty seconds, and you start thinking, you know. I wonder. I wonder if I can get my vet to come over to my house when the time is right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. I, that's the whole the whole reason I never. Uh, if my kids have always wanted to get a dog, and I'm like, dogs die. <laughs> oh, nice message for the kids. I, really it, sweet. The kids, you know. One day it seemed like a lot of fun, but you know, dogs die. And tonight we're going to watch Old Yeller and Marley back there to go. back. There you go. <laughs> just to drive that. Just to drive that home. So, what do you make of the? Uh, and, the I, and, yeah. and and also, like Josh, I don't necessarily know everything that I'm going to uh, uh, talk about that night on stage. I'm going to leave the first ten minutes up to. Uh, I don't know if it's. It, I think it's. It's not really stream of consciousness. It's more. It's trickle down consciousness. Let's call it that. Okay. It's supply side consciousness. Good. Good term. Whoever conscious I am when I walk on stage that night, that's the supply I've got for you. Well, and I'm sure so, there'll be something new happening every day. Especially, um, I think you might be there when uh, Trump is in. He's, I just heard on the radio he's oh, trying to go overseas. He go, I might be there when he goes to the demilitarized zone. Yeah, yeah, in China and the Philippines, and yeah. Oh man, right? I hope he's not in North Korea when I'm there. <laughs> yep. Um, so, what do you make of the uh, Republican uh, the proposed tax cuts? Uh, I don't. I, I really don't. Uh, I really don't have a clue. You know. See, that's, I mean, uh, some of it, I, I hate to say it, but, you know, some of it, you go, well, that sounds reasonable. But then you catch him in the stuff that you just go, oh, wait a minute, that's just flat out not true what you just said there. Exactly. You yeah. Know? So, so, uh, um, uh, but I do know some small business owners, they'd like relief, I guess. Uh, however, I'm a major proponent of taxing the rich. People say it's unfair. Uh, it's unfair because, uh, 10% of the people pay, uh, I think it's 80% of the tax. And I agree that is unfair because they own 90% of the shit they should pay. I was going to say, they, the they, have, they have 99% of the money. Yeah. yeah. So, that, I mean, that's, you know, uh, this, this this flat tax idea and this is oh, yeah. tax stuff. Nobody ever talks intelligently about it. You know, you were lucky to be born or allowed into the United States of America. This is your admission ticket being paid on exit you got the opportunity you don't get to hog it for your family you have to give some of it back so that other people have the opportunity yeah i call it an opportunity i call it a pay it forward opportunity tax there you go see i'm working on this stuff yeah because uh i have even less followers than, than you had six thousand six thousand well we're getting, getting six six thousand uh feed hits a day which isn't or a week i mean i'm sorry it's a, okay. a th about a thousand a day now that's still pretty good, man. Yeah, that's, that's crazy. That's real humans. It, it is. It's actual people listening, and as my wife would say, that's nine hundred ninety-nine more people than probably should be listening. So, yeah, and it's so it's not just the people that the that, that can't reach the remote in the hospital. Exactly. You know, yeah, these got, people when they got sick in the room, it's not just them. That's true. That's a good point. People have to actually people seek the show to download it, or at least to subscribe to it in their podcast catcher of choice, be it mostly iTunes. But yeah, so that's you know people made an effort. Uh, to find it, kind of crazy. Well, except uh, another nugget of mine is that uh, it's twenty-three percent of the citizens of the United States are on either a uh, a uh, 
anti-anxiety or anti-psychotic drug. I should 23%. live. Twenty-three percent. I should live so long. Yeah. Well, and apparently it's not enough. That's the. I mean, when you look at it, or the wrong people are getting the wrong drug. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, that's that's yeah. a. I don't. So. I don't say that's a slippery slope, but that's kind of a. Um, I just don't think we've actually. It's, I remember that episode of uh, Star Trek, where I think it's oh the the Menagerie, where um, Christopher Pike is. He's in the wheelchair. It's the wraparound footage. Oh, there you go. Yeah, and the and and McCoy says we've managed to, and this is supposed to be in the twenty third century. You know, we we know everything about every organ of the body except one, the mind. And uh, the mind. Yeah, that's and it, it, and that's and they predicted they predicted back in the sixties that we still wouldn't know, two hundred years from now, what's going on with people's minds and how to fix things. I think we are starting to find out some stuff. Now, I'll tell you one thing. I'm all for you know. I was thinking about the president was talking today about made in America. Yeah. He said, Made in America is going to mean something again. And I said, well, all those people with the bombs they made in America are dropping on them. That's, it's meant something to them every day. Absolutely. You know? <laughs> uh, but at the same time, you know, um, I've always thought that the solution to the Middle East was to drop pharmaceuticals on them instead of bombs. Because they need something to take down the anxiety. They clearly need Viagra. You know, you yeah. get them relaxed and fuck. You get them relaxed and, and screwing. I, I, what word can I use on your Either, podcast? Go, go, whatever you want. Yeah, you get them relaxed and screwing, and you know this problem that, that mitigates everything. Maybe we not we need to get uh, ISIS hooked on opioids because uh, I didn't realize that it was the, uh, the, the the pharmaceutical industry getting people you know hyped up on Vicodin and all these other things after you know you hurt your back, get the leg surgery, or whatever, and then when it runs out, people are like, hmm, got to keep that feeling going. Uh, oh, completely. Oh, they knew what they were doing. They've been sued by a half a dozen states for deliberately putting uh, a highly addictive substance into the marketplace uh, with overly broad, uh, you know, the, the way that they just pushed it out into the population. is unbelievable. Have you ever heard about Captagon? No. Oh, look it up. Captagon. Captagon is what ISIS were taking, right? And I remember reading this headline about this. It's some weird quasi-cocaine, methamphetamine, you know, upper-hyper-PCP weird, crazy drug, right? And uh, that, that, that they're all taking. Uh, and it was like, Captagon causing psychosis among ISIS followers. It was like, no, no, no. <laughs> they, they were psychotic before yeah. the Captagon. It, it, may be, it may be amplifying it, right. but, you know, it's like, wow, I'm so glad they weren't, weren't psychotic when they joined. Well, you know, yeah. the death cult. Well, to give you an idea of how bad the opioid crisis is here in Ohio, our Republican Attorney General is suing pharmaceutical companies. So that should give you a notion of how bad it well, is. Well, Kentucky, Kentucky was the first state to do so. Yeah, right because across the river from us. Flooded these mine, they just flooded these mining towns with the stuff. And when you look at some of the numbers on some of the scripts in certain areas and divide it into like the population, it's like. 10 pills per person. Yeah, you know, yeah. What the hell has actually been going on here? Yeah, I saw a thing where some you town know? in West Virginia, the population is like, I don't know, 3,000 people, and yet they have like 300,000 uh, pills prescribed every year. So it was some crazy ratio like you're talking about that was just way off the charts. And yeah, no one no one sees anything suspicious about it. Well, I guess they do now because they're, they're, they're getting sued, but still. And meanwhile, the one thing that we actually had a decent chance to be good at medically, which is pain management, you know, becomes a becomes once again a, a morality play. Yeah, and a, and a profit center. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I better call that vet. Make my plans. Yep. 
Yeah, we have another. We have a weird... you know when my dog was uh, when we uh, that that was my German that was my German Shepherd. This is a sweet story. So we knew he was starting to get in have some pain. He'd already had some problems with his back, like I was having pain, and it's like, well, that's the marker, right? And the pain was more so we'd made an arrangement that the pain was severe the day before the day that that was going to come over to our house to help us with this, right? So the vet says, uh, I, I said, I can't stick him in the car like this for his, you know, he's already in pain. Yeah. They said, well, I tell you what, come here and I'll give you a prescription for some tramadol and some Valiums. You can knock the dog out and then you can bring him here, right? So he gave us 100 milligrams of, of uh, tramadol and 100 milligrams of Valium which is a lot for a 90 yeah. pound dog, right? Yeah. So so we give this to we give this to Freud. I don't know the dog's name. And he hasn't felt this good in a long time. He's not getting up and running around cuz he physically can't. Yeah. But he's sitting on his cushion in the sunlight in the backyard barking, smiling, to throw me the ball, I want to play on the cushion, you know, you know he yeah. can't get around. He is the dog is flying. He is not, however, sleeping. Not, not at all. This did not put him to sleep. It just made him feel, feel, get the ultimate buzz going. Yeah. So, so we fed him a, a filet mignon that night. Slept. Woke up the next morning, and the vet came over, and we, uh, you know, he painlessly uh, uh, went wherever we all go. Yeah. Because hmm. I'm convinced that wherever the dogs go, the rest of us go. Exactly. Yeah. I just saw a thing in the. Uh, and the, the, one of the British papers it says that you know when you're dead because they say your your brain still works for a little bit even after everything else is shut off. That's kind of freaky. Well, you're a sci-fi guy. You, I mean, that's the premise of everything from uh, you know the Dallas episode with Bobby Ewing in the shower yeah. to uh, yep. You know, to uh, did you ever see the Lathe of Heaven? Have you ever heard of that? No. Oh, that's a sci-fi thing where it's like it's. It, uh, it, it turns out that the entire, I'm spoiler alert, huh. any of you wondering about, it's really well done, but it turns out that the entire thing is the last moments of consciousness. Oh, wow. That the entire thing is the mind trying to construct the utopia that will head off the Armageddon that is already happening. So it's trying to solve every single problem in the world, and and it projects out, you know, years worth of, a story to get to that moment only it's just the projection of a mind racing to find the answers before extinction wow. it's pretty cool hmm. what's it called again the lathe of heaven l-a-t-h-e the lathe of heaven. oh okay okay gotcha yeah i, will, I, will I think you might that. find it on youtube sometimes you find that stuff on youtube yeah it is crazy some of that stuff kind of gets close to being public domain or people don't care or they can't find the rights holders and it it's up there until somebody makes them take it down yeah, completely. Um, well, cool, man. This is a pretty good update. Uh, like I said, you, uh, we, uh, again, have to get you down here to Cincinnati sometime. Or sometime well, and again. I promise, uh, as far as acne goes, that, uh, I mean, my, my greatest desire is to say the stuff I never get to say anyplace else. Oh, cool. So, uh, I'm definitely going to be doing the two most offensive jokes I've ever written. Okay. Uh, uh, which I rarely do, but, I, but they're going to be a featured part of the act. Uh, and, uh, and, and I'm just going to look for the most unacceptable and yet accurate. I mean, they got to have a certain accuracy and credibility to them, but the most accurate, un accurate and unacceptable thoughts 
within the repertoire that are hopefully, uh, uh, that in my opinion are funny, but I seem to have a whole category of jokes that it's uh, like I had this joke that nobody laughed at, and I guess almost by definition that would mean it wasn't really a joke. Okay. You know? Uh, so, cool. I don't well, know. I'm, I mean, I'm, you're the expert. What do you think about that? Uh, I'll g- give it a shot. There's lots of jokes that I have that I just I think are hilarious, and they never do very well when I do the open mics. And, of course, the ones I don't think are funny or throwaways always get a big laugh. So it's just, you just never know. Well, you know, I, and this is not aimed at you in particular, but that can also be true because your material is ahead of your performance. Because... Uh, I couldn't make the really good material. I couldn't make my better material funny when I started off. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, that's... And it was confusing to me. I could only make the stuff that I didn't think was particularly clever. That I could get laughs at, but I couldn't do hmm. the stuff, cause, and, and you probably don't get enough stage time to... No. You know, to no. make what's funny on the page funny on the stage, you know, that's the second challenge. But that doesn't mean it's not funny on the page. It just means that somehow you're not quite making the funny obvious to enough people. That's your, that's the comedy lesson for the kids. At Interesting. Home. There you don't go. Give up on a li- don't give up on a line if you still think it's funny. Just figure out what it is that's lacking in your ability to communicate that okay. from the stage. There All right. Go. Well, we've learned a lot today here. <laughs> Some of it was maybe one or two things interesting. The rest of them uh, informative. Yes, you know? definitely. And, well, and a couple funny things. Yeah, exactly. Well, great, man. Um, well, good luck up there in Minneapolis. Uh, as always, hope to see you down here in Cincinnati in some way, shape, or form. And uh, I guess we'll do this all again next year. Yeah, and we always talk about Cincinnati, but it obviously it just isn't in the cards for me or, or for pro football. No, I mean, well, for one day. Well, this, I, I'm in worse shape. I'm a Browns fan, so it's that's a whole oh, other... Oh, man. Right? Oh, man. Right? Yeah, terrible. Well, why? I yeah. mean, just why? Except, of the... I was born there, so... Oh, I didn't know that. Well, that's a, well, that's a good reason. Yeah, that's yeah, a nice reason. yeah. So, so I can't shift loyalties like that. So, I'm stuck with them. But All right, um, well, well, then good for you. And uh, you know, eventually, uh, you know, a, a blind pig. You know, it's, it's got to happen. It's, like, yeah. So many shots at the brass ring. They got to make the right call. Yep. Eventually. But they're getting further and further yeah. away. But maybe they'll finally hit rock bottom and and go. From well, there. Carson Wentz has to really hurt. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Seeing, seeing this kid from North Dakota just being the most lights-out young quarterback since Tom Brady, which so far is what he looks like when yep. I've seen him play. Yeah, yeah. You know? Yep. He really reads the defense well. You know, arm like a just you – know, he makes mistakes, but sure. of oh, overconfidence. But yeah, yeah, a, he'll get he'll get over that. Yep. Yeah. Well, well, cool, man. Thanks for taking the time today. Brown. Yep. Well, thanks for taking the time today, man. We're back into the day job here. And, uh, yeah, have fun up in Minneapolis, and uh, we'll talk to you again soon. Hey, thanks again, Pia. Thanks, Chris. Bye. Bye-bye. Thanks again to Chris Bliss for being on the show. Chris is going to be at the Acme in Minneapolis, I believe, November 14th through the 18th. Double check that. Go to their website. But uh, he, I believe he's going to be there that week. You can also go to his website, chrisbliss.com. There he's got links to all his uh, the videos of him doing the juggling, uh, of him uh, being interviewed on CNN. He did a TED Talk as well called Comedy's Translation. That also went viral. Uh, and then somewhere on there should be tour dates if you're not in Minnesota and still want to catch Chris live. And there's also, I believe, links to the Bill of Rights Project as well.
So an interesting cat. Do check him out. So uh, we're up to the song of the week, and this arrived to me by accident. Fangirl sent me a clip of an article that contained uh, this in it, and it's a uh, it's a song by Dua Lipa, who is from London. Uh, I guess she's of Albanian descent, but she is a, a first generation uh, a Briton, and she's had some uh, some top ten singles in the UK as well as Europe. Her last single, New Rules, went to number one, I believe, for a week, and then I think Beeb knocked her off the top, or Swifty or somebody knocked her off the top. But it was still a big, big top five hit. Uh, spent at least a week at number one. It was uh, number one across Europe. Only got to 34 here, and the song is fine. Uh, I wasn't keen, I mean, because I, I, it's one of those songs where it started getting radio play in America, so I would hear it here, I would hear it uh, on BBC, so it's kind of like, well, I don't need to own this, so I'm going to be hearing it a lot. And, of course, uh, Fangirl and producer Lizzie both uh, were big fans of the song, so they played it a lot in the car. So I got to hear it a lot, and again, it's, it's a good tune. But uh, someone named Initial Talk, he is a, a Japanese producer and slash DJ, more of a producer, I guess, than DJ, but he remixed the song. And it is brilliant. It's called uh, the. Well, first I think it's called the '80s. Uh, I don't have it in front of me, the actual file that it came up, but it's a, it's an '80s remix, and it's absolutely amazing. It sounds a lot like Pet Shop Boys remixed it, because uh, you'll hear the orchestra hits in this, and then there's also kind of a these little electronic snares uh, in the background. It kind of sounds like Stock Aiken and Waterman slowed down. You remember they produced that are live, and I think Samantha Fox maybe, and a whole bunch of other people, and Bananarama, and a whole bunch of other people in the '80s. It really really dance heavy kind of production. At, think they might have been behind Rick Astley's first album. But anyway, you'll know what I mean. It sounds very 80s. It is very cool. Uh, Initial Talk, you can find him on Facebook. He has about a 1,000 fans right now. Do check him out. And there's also an article about him at Billboard magazine. So if you go to the Billboard website and type in Initial Talk, two words, uh, you'll find out a little bit more about this Japanese producer. And I don't really know much else about him beyond that. I asked him what what want people to know. And you said, direct into to my Facebook page and to the article at Billboard. So do those two things. In the meantime, we are going to enjoy the song of the week. It is the 80s Rule remix of New Rules, if you want to uh, look that up. I don't know if it's in Spotify yet, but uh, you can find it on YouTube. And, of course, I'm going to play it for you here right now. I, I, the other thing I read about this, by the way, is supposed to be also inspired by Stacey Q from the late 80s. She was on uh, Enigma Records along with the Red Flag. You may remember those fellows. But I think much more uh, Pet Shop Boys, Stock Aiken, and Waterman. See what you think is our song of the week. New Rules, the Initial Talk Remix, PF Tape Recorder, so long and thanks for listening. Sleep at night. 